Good morning. I'm so glad to see you guys here. Uh, have you had a good week? Have you had a good summer so far? It's, it's been fairly decent weather, a um, little bit light on the rain maybe, but except for this past week, uh, kind of got some more rain. That was great. So, uh, yeah, we've been enjoying our summer as well. So I'm glad you're here because we want to look at God's word like the video was saying. We want to we find out what God's got to say to us today because his word is living and active. And last week... As we looked at the message, we saw that God chose Saul to lead the people of Israel. And as you know, the title of this series is about Samuel. But in or woven in with his story, Samuel's story, are other characters, other people. And uh, now we're going to see Saul is involved with Samuel for the next few chapters as we go through Samuel's life. And in this last week, Samuel and Saul had a discussion Samuel asked Saul to join him at this great banquet, and when he brought him in, he put him at the head of the table, the place of honor. And uh, after the meal was over, he shared a revelation with him about his future. So that's where we're going to pick up today in 1 Samuel 10. But first, I'd like to ask you a quick question here. How many of you played hide-and-seek when you were growing up? Okay. Uh, what is the goal of hide-and-seek? Hide so people can't find you, yeah. Find a good spot where you can hide. What happens if people find you? You're it. Yeah. <laughs> so uh, we're going to see how that applies in just a minute in our story. On You're probably thinking, what does that have to do with Samuel and Saul? We'll find out. So let's, uh, if you've got your Bible there before you, Samuel 10, starting at verse 1. And uh, reading through verse 8, and then we'll stop and talk about that and then move on. Then Samuel took a flask of olive oil and poured it on Saul's head and kissed him, saying, Has not the Lord anointed you ruler over his inheritance? Now, those days they would kiss kind of like the French people, you know, kiss him on the cheek, on the side. Yeah. So um, he's saying, When you leave me today, you will meet two men near Rachel's tomb at Zelza on the border of Benjamin. They will say to you, the donkeys you set out to look for have been found. And now your father has stopped thinking about them and is worried about you. He is asking, what shall I do about my son? Then you will go on from there until you reach the great tree of Tabor. Three men going up to worship God at Bethel will meet you there. One will be carrying three young goats, another three loaves of bread, and another a skin of wine. They will greet you and offer you two loaves of bread, which you will accept from them. After that, you will go to Gibeah of God, where there is a Philistine outpost. As you approach the town, you will meet a procession of prophets coming down from the high place with lyres, timbrels, pipes, and harps being played before them. And they will be prophesying. The Spirit of the Lord will come powerfully upon you, and you will prophesy with them and you will be changed into a different person. Once these signs are fulfilled, do whatever your hand finds to do, for God is with you. Go ahead of me to Gilgal. I will surely come down to you to sacrifice burnt offerings and fellowship offerings, but you must wait seven days until I come to you and tell you what you are to do. Okay, so, like we said, uh, Saul was anointed king of Israel in this private ceremony with just the two of them, 
uh, because the servant had been sent on ahead. And uh, then Samuel gives Saul some instruction before he sends him on his way. He gives him three signs. First, he says, you're going to meet two men as you pass by Rachel's tomb. And they'll say to you, the donkeys have been found and your father's now concerned about you. So that's one sign. The second sign is that as you go past the great tree of Tabor, there's going to be three men going to worship at Bethel. And they're um, going to have, one of them will have three goats, one's going to have uh, three loaves of bread, and one's going to have a skin of wine. And the one person will give you two loaves. Okay, then the third sign is at Gibeah, there's going to be this procession of prophets. And they're playing instruments and uh, prophesying. So they're kind of worshiping as they go. And the Spirit of God's going to come on you powerfully. And you also will prophesy as they are prophesying. And you're going to be changed. And, and the thing there is he's saying you're going to be changed into a different person, meaning the power of God's going to change you into a different person. So there's these three signs. Would you say they're pretty specific and elaborate? Yes. There's a lot with those signs. So, so what do you think Saul is thinking as uh, Samuel is telling him all this? He's wondering because those things are new. Will I recognize it when it happens? Will, will I miss it? Yeah. The other thing I, I guess you could say is maybe like, will I remember all this? That, that's a lot. Like, okay, three guys, this, that, that, you know, I mean, two loaves. It's, it's a lot to remember. But uh, Samuel tells him, this is to confirm the fact that God is, is placing you as king. And he tells him that as soon as those signs are fulfilled, do whatever your hand Finds to do, for God is with you. He tells him, uh, go ahead to Gilgal, but wait seven days. So he's, all of this is going to happen, this big flurry of activity, and then he's to go to Gilgal and wait. <clears throat> and don't tell anyone. So that would be kind of hard for a week. You'd be really wanting to tell somebody, you won't believe what just happened to me, but he's not to tell us all. And then Samuel says, but occupy yourself in the meantime. Do what your hand finds to do. <clears throat> so there are times when you and I might get a word from the Lord. We might feel God is speaking to us through his word or in our heart we just sense God is telling us something and, and we're waiting for it to happen, you know, because it doesn't seem like it's happening yet and I'm pretty sure God put this on my heart, but, you know, but everything has a special time that God designates. You know, in the Bible it says, and it came to pass. means that it came to the appointed time that God had for it. And uh, when we follow Jesus, we can trust that God's going to work all of that out. We don't have to worry how that's going to happen. So let's read on and see what happened then with Saul. As Saul turned to leave Samuel, God changed Saul's heart. And all these signs were fulfilled that day. When he and his servant arrived at Gibeah, a procession of prophets met him. And the Spirit of God came powerfully upon him, and he joined in their prophesying. When all those who had formerly known him saw him prophesying with the prophets, they asked each other, What is this that has happened to the son of Kish? Is Saul also among the prophets? 
A man who lived there answered, And who is their father? So it became a saying, Is Saul also among the prophets? After Saul stopped prophesying, he went to the high place. Now Saul's uncle asked him and his servant, Where have you been? Uh, Looking for the donkeys, he said. But when we saw they were not to be found, we went to Samuel. Saul's uncle said, Tell me what Samuel said to you. He's probably thinking, uh, some things have happened here that I know about, and uh, what did Samuel say to you, <laughs> you know? And Saul replied, he assured us that the donkeys had been found, but he did not tell his uncle what Samuel had said about the kingship. Okay, let's stop there for a moment. So it tells us that Saul's heart was changed as he left Samuel. So any kind of unbelief or apprehension, or even if he was thinking, I might not want to do this, It changed Saul as he left. God put his hand upon Saul, and Saul responded to that. He became the person God needed him to be. And during the last sign being fulfilled, where he joins in with the prophets, uh, the people who saw him were wondering, what on earth? I know this guy, and he did not do this last time I saw him. So when we're changed, you know, like... When you and I become followers of Christ, when things start changing in our life, we don't do those things we used to do. When, when, the power, when we have the Holy Spirit, when we have the power of God in our lives, and we start behaving in a way that, and start doing things that God is calling us to do, people notice. And we can be healed. We can be inspired. We can be called to a new life. Saul's uncle saw him and said, Where have you been? And apparently, they had been gone a while for him to say that, right? And, and he seems different now. So he's not real sure what's going on with Saul. And Saul mentions the donkeys again, but he doesn't tell him about the kingship because he knows he's supposed to wait for that week before he tells anybody anything. So good question here for you all again. Uh, what do you think went through Saul's mind? He, all this has happened. He goes to the place. He's waiting the week. What do you think is going through his mind while he's waiting? What am I supposed to do first? How will I know what to do? What else? Wonder how I'll be able to do it. Yeah. Yeah. Maybe doubtful it's really true. Yeah. I mean, think about, like, scared. Yeah. Oh, for sure. All of this would have been going through his mind, I'm sure. Because uh, when we're waiting on something, think about your own life. When the, the devil might start putting some things in your head, well, that wasn't really real. You know, that didn't really happen. God didn't really say that to you. Or he was mistaken. He got the wrong guy. Uh, You can't do that. You're not qualified. I'm sure Saul went through all of those things too, you know. And as we'll see later, as we keep reading through this, we'll see. Obviously, some things were going on with Saul (laughs) there. And waiting's hard. Because when we feel like God's called us to something, we think, you know what, just Jump right in. Just do it. But sometimes there's preparation that we have to go through first. And maybe it's not just our preparation. Maybe it's preparation of some of the other people that we're going to be involved in. But that time of waiting is not a a wasted time. That time of waiting is a time of preparation. First, 
Thessalonians 5.24 says, the one who calls you is faithful and he will do it. That's really great, isn't it? If God calls you something, he'll do it. If he calls you to a career, he will do it. If he has a relationship for you, he will do it. He will work it out. If he has a blessing for you or a healing for you, he will do it. God will accomplish the things that he's called you to, the things that he has promised you. He will do it. He is faithful. So we can trust Jesus as we follow him. So let's read on then in the rest of the story through verse 25. Samuel summoned the people of Israel to the Lord at Mizpah and said to them, This is what the Lord, the God of Israel, says. I brought Israel up out of Egypt and delivered you from the power of Egypt and all the kingdoms that oppressed you. But you have now rejected your God, who saves you out of all your disasters and calamities. And you have said, No, appoint a king over us. So now present yourselves before the Lord by your tribes and clans. When Samuel had all Israel come forward by tribes, the tribe of Benjamin was taken by Lot. Then he brought forward the tribe of Benjamin, clan by clan, and Matri's clan was taken. Finally, Saul of Kish was taken. But when they looked for him, he was not to be found. So they inquired further of the Lord, Has the man come here yet? And the Lord said, Yes, he has hidden himself among the supplies. They ran and brought him out, and as he stood among the people, he was a head taller than any of the others. Samuel said to all the people, Do you see the man the Lord has chosen? There is no one like him among all the people. And the people shouted, Long live the king! Samuel explained to the people the rights and duties of the kingship. He wrote them down on a scroll and deposited it before the Lord. Then Samuel dismissed the people to go to their own homes. So this week goes by, it's over, and during that week at some point, Samuel sends word out to all of the people of Israel to join him there at uh, Mizpah. And what do we remember about Mizpah? Mizpah is the place where Samuel had erected the stone called Ebenezer, where God gave that victory over the Philistines. And so Samuel is having them to come back and meet at this sacred spot to remind them that the, what the Lord has done so far in their lives and that he has given them victory. It's kind of like he's giving them the word of the Lord then one more time and tells them what God says. I brought you out of Egypt. I delivered you from the power of Egypt and all those kingdoms that oppressed you. But now you've rejected your God and said, give us a king. And so he's telling them one more time the whole thing, and warning them about what they're about to do. It's like God's giving them one more chance to understand uh, what they're about to do and the spiritual implications of that choice. When we choose something else in our life over God, we reject God, and we open ourselves up to the attacks of the devil. Uh, we can pull ourselves away by doing that from God's provision, from God's protection, if we allow something else to come before him in our hearts. And that's what these people were doing. They were allowing the issue of a, having a king to come between them and God. And God says, by doing this, you are rejecting me. And Israel would get what they wanted. They got a king, just like every other nation. 
but they'd also get that heartache and the problems and all of the junk that came with it later when those kings would lead them astray into sin. Samuel had the people present themselves before the Lord there. He said, I want you to line up by tribes, within each tribe, by families. And then they cast lots to determine who God had chosen. And so, first of all, the tribe of Benjamin was chosen. And if you know about the tribes, those are the sons of Israel, and that's the patriarch of each tribe. So Benjamin, the son of Jacob, who later became Israel, uh, his that's his son Benjamin, it's his descendants. And so that tribe is chosen. And then from that tribe, the family of Matri is chosen. And then as they go through that family of Matri, that clan of Matri, Saul is chosen. And so they look around for him. And where is Saul? So why do you think Saul is hiding? can't make me king if you can't find me. The task was daunting to be a king. Yeah. Oh, for sure. I think it's like we said earlier. I think the, the devil obviously had been messing with him during that week of waiting, right? In his head. <clears throat> and so... Um, you know, the devil can mess with us about our call or about what God's telling us to do. And perhaps that's what happened here. I mean, there'd been these three awesome signs that there's no way that happened by chance, okay? And Samuel, to know that specifically, all those details, that should have been confirmation to Saul. Don't sweat the details. I got it, says God. So <laughs> Saul's now hiding, though, after this week of waiting because he's allowed the stuff in his head to mess with him. He's allowed the devil to tell him he's not enough, and how can he ever do that? And so there's sometimes, even for us, the next thing in our life can be a little scary. You know, you know God's called you to it, but it can be a little scary and um, <clears throat> a little unnerving, maybe a new job. You know, you're going to start the new job. You know it's the job God has for you, but, man, it's, it's a big jump. It's a big deal to have that new job. Or maybe it's a new ministry that you really feel like God's called you to be praying for, for people or God's called you to do something, not necessarily in the church, but could be in the church, but God's called you to something. You feel like, this is a little unnerving. I don't know if I can do all this. Or maybe it's a new relationship and you just wonder how it's all going to work out. And so if you allow the voice of the devil to feed those lies into you, you can get to a point where you're like, I don't know if I can do this. And I'm pretty sure that's where Saul was at. I don't think he was playing hide and seek. I think he was playing hide, don't find me. I don't want to do this. I don't care what's next. And also, it tells us he's really tall. Okay, growing up being really tall, I can tell you, you can be a little self-conscious about being really tall, you know. And so he's, he's probably got all of this stuff messing with him, and he's hiding there in the baggage. I mean, what a place to hide, in with all the baggage and equipment. <clears throat> yeah. But the people keep seeking the Lord, and God tells them where he is. So they run and get him. Yeah. And they said, tag, you're it. You're the king. <laughs> 
And they bring him back, and Samuel says to everyone, yep, this is the one God has chosen. There's no one else like him. And all the people shouted, long live the king. They're so excited, you know. They probably didn't just say it one time, right? They probably really got into it. Ever been to a, a, a sports game and people start going, 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 you know. It was probably like that. They were all celebrating, it tells us. And even here, when people ask for something that wasn't God's first choice, God still blessed them with a king who was like no one else. The problem was that they were starting down a road where they think that God isn't enough. And because they didn't really know God like they should, remember they had come through a time where they'd really kind of strayed away from the things of the Lord. They hadn't been reading the word. They hadn't been spending time worshiping God. And and they'd kind of strayed away a little bit. And so because of that, they didn't know God like they should. Because if they did, if they knew God like they should, they would not have wanted things that were not God's will for them. They would have known God is what we need. Jeremiah 31, 33 says, This is the covenant I will make with the people Israel after that time, declares the Lord. I will put my law in their minds and write it on their hearts. I will be their God and they will be my people. And this is what was God's first choice for those people, that he would be their God, that his, his word, his laws would be written on their hearts, that they would love him and obey him, that they would not want to be looking somewhere else for satisfaction, somewhere else for fulfillment, that they would look to him and he would lead and guide them. When we really get to know who God is, when we know who he says he is, when we spend time with him, we don't want to replace him with something else, with a worldly substitute. When we say that we need to have daily time with God, you know, we talk about that all the time here. We say, you know, we need to be in the word, we need to pray, we need to spend time with other believers. And why is that? It's not because we got a checklist. <clears throat> I know when you, if you use the, the Bible.com, you know, there's a, <clears throat> a devotional guide in there and you check it off every day. I read it, I prayed, and, you know, I read the scripture. But that's not what it's all about. Not checking these things off. Like, all week long, look at all my check marks. I did it all. That's the wrong goal. Why we are doing it is we want to spend time with God. We want to get to know him. We want to know what the word of God says about God. We want to know who he is, his characteristics, his attributes, his promises to us the things that he wants us to know about him so that then we can follow him and, and think of it not as a checklist but a series of opportunities to be with the God who created the universe, who created us, who wants to know us and wants us to know him. Romans 12, 2 says, Do not conform to the pattern of this world, but be transformed by the renewing of your mind. Then you will be able to test and approve what God's will is, his good, pleasing, and perfect will. See, the renewing of our mind doesn't happen because we think good thoughts. I'm sorry, that's not how it happens. It doesn't happen by osmosis, by being around stuff, you know. It happens because we spend time reading the Bible. We spend time praying with God. We ask 
God to change us into the image of Jesus Christ. We ask him to renew our mind so that we can see things the way he sees them. That's how we can know God's will. That's how we can follow him with all of our heart, all of our soul, and all of our mind. The people of Israel here wanted so much to be like everybody else that they pushed God further away. They're like, when they said no, they weren't saying no just to Samuel. They were saying no to God. They wanted to push him out here because it was weird that they were listening to God and following God as their leader when everyone else around them had a king. They didn't come and ask God, should we have a king? They said, no, we want a king. And so because of this, they had pushed God further away. And the interesting thing, Pastor Steve brought this up too, we don't hear that Saul had a bunch of other really great things going on in his life, do we? He's taller and no one else is like him. I don't know, but my legacy, I want it to be that I loved God with all of my heart, that I followed God, that I did the things he called me to, that I didn't listen to the ways of the world, that I followed Jesus Christ, not that I'm a head taller and no one else is like me. Uh, Saul doesn't have, apparently, the spiritual maturity that you would hope he would have because it's not mentioned. So then after the celebration, everyone's screaming, yay, long live the king, long live the king. They're all excited, they're happy, finally they get to be like their neighbors. They're relevant. Uh, then Samuel explains to the people the rights and the duties of kingship, and he writes them down on a scroll so no one can forget what they are. These are things God has told him about the rights and the duties of the king. He, and it says he presents it before the Lord. He probably puts it in the, in the tabernacle before the Lord. And then the people are sent home. There's just a little more to this chapter here, and uh, let's just look at that, starting at verse 26. Saul also went to his home in Gibeah, accompanied by valiant men whose hearts God had touched. But some scoundrels said, how can this fellow save us? They despised him and brought him no gifts. But Saul kept silent. So here's some people that they, they know Saul from before, and they're thinking, how can Saul do this? We, there's going to be people like that, right? Well, then uh, let's jump over to chapter 11, verses 12 to 15. The people then said to Samuel, who... Was it that asked, shall Saul reign over us? Turn these men over at us, so we may put them to death. But Saul said, no one will be put to death today. For this day the Lord has rescued Israel. Then Samuel said to the people, come, let us go to Gilgal, and there renew the kingship. So all the people went to Gilgal and made Saul king in the presence of the Lord. There they sacrificed fellowship offerings before the Lord, and Saul and all the Israelites held a great celebration. So there's always going to be people that don't like you. I hope this is not news for anybody that they've not heard before or not experienced. <laughs> but that when I was growing up, I read that in a newspaper article when I was in sixth grade. And I got to tell you, realizing that there's no way everybody's going to like you is such a freeing thing, right? 
because we don't have to then worry about trying to make everybody like us. Um, if, if you do try to make all the people like you, you're going to end up compromising, and you're going to be like one way one place, another way another place. You're going to go back and forth. No one's going to, you're not going to know who you are even. So you won't be the person that God created you to be. Uh, when we need to, what we need to do here is follow Jesus Christ and do what God chose us to do and be like Jesus. In between these two scriptures, the end of chapter 10 and that little portion in chapter 11, there's a part you can go home and read later in the beginning of chapter 11 where it talks about a battle that Saul led the people into to fight against the Philistines, and they won. And so everybody's excited because, remember, one of the things they had said is they wanted a king who could, who could fight their battles? Well, so he just proved that he could do that. He can take them out and they can fight a battle. And so um, it says that the mighty power of God came on Saul in that battle, and he led them, and God used him to accomplish his will. And at Gilgal, they celebrated and sacrificed then offerings to the Lord God. And Samuel led them in those offerings and confirmed Saul as the king of Israel. So all those people that were saying, well, who's that? And I don't know if we can follow him. The question's been answered. So now we make it really official, official, official. Like This is like the third time he's been anointed, right? So I guess he's really king now. <laughs> and what we can see here is... Um, in this chapter are some really important truths. First of all, none of us is going to become a king. So, so we look at this and say, what is there in there for me then, since I'm not going to be like a king? But it is about when God calls you. And what can we do when God calls us? Well, the first thing we want to do is look for confirmation. And the signs that Samuel gave to Saul were given by God, and they were to confirm that, yes, he was the person God was going to use as king of Israel. And when we hear from God about something new, and, and we feel like God's calling me to this new job, there should be some confirmation. There should be some confirmation by either circumstances or wise counsel of other believers or by the inner voice of the Holy Spirit within you, like, like and a peace about it, you know? As you're looking at this new thing that you're going into, there should be a peace in your heart that, yes, I know this is what God is calling me to. And God will confirm his will for us. We just need to ask and to be open about his leading. So look for the confirmation. And secondly, ask God to empower you. In every leader that God chooses in the Bible, there is an encounter that person has with God an anointing of the Holy Spirit on them to do what God's called them to, to be able to lead, to discern, to perform miracles, or to teach, or to minister, or to be king. Uh, whoever, whatever the call is on every godly leader, there is this encounter with God. And so what we want to do is, as we are feeling that God is calling us to a new job, a new relationship, a new thing, any new thing we feel God's calling us to, we want to ask God to empower us to do it. Because if he has called us to do it, he will empower us to be able to accomplish that. The third thing is to do what is before you to do. While we're waiting, while we're looking forward to what's next, we don't neglect what is before us right now. I mean, God 
we can ask God to lead and guide us and ask him to help us to do the things that are right here, right now for us to do. At church, maybe you feel like you're supposed to lead a Bible study or, or teach a class or, or whatever. While you're waiting for that opportunity, though, go to Bible studies. There's been people sometimes who say, I want to lead a Bible study, and they don't even go to a Bible study. Well, go to a Bible study. <laughs> you know, Be involved in it. Participate fully in all the Bible study in whatever one you can, and um, see if you can help in those. Be faithful, and be there each week in the meantime, and then as that progresses, God will show you what's next to do. Maybe it's at your job that you feel like God's calling you to something new. Do the best you can right now for what you are responsible for now, even if you think you're better than that, okay? Sometimes there's things that we get asked to do at a job we're thinking, I shouldn't have to do this. But guess what? God says, do what is before you to do, and do it as if you are doing it for me. It says in the Bible to commit our work to the Lord and do, do our jobs as if we're working for Jesus. And I know that's hard sometimes with some of the bosses we have, but if you will commit each day to the Lord and ask him for his power, ask him to... Show you what to do, what is right before you. You can get through that. Well, maybe you're retired and you are seeing where you can help others. Or maybe there's people around you that you can see maybe need your help. These are, what we, these are the things we want to do. We don't want to just focus on ourselves. That can happen as we get older. We can start looking at just our own needs and start to become like just focused on that. But God says there's more out there for you to do. There is more that I want you to be involved in. There are people around you who have needs. There are people around you that you can minister to maybe by just an encouraging word. Maybe they need a ride or a visit or a conversation or even a blessing from you. Just look around and see what God is showing you. What is he putting before you to do? This applied to Samuel as well. Uh, he was disappointed to no longer be the person who helped people know what God wanted him to do. Samuel was basically retiring from his job, you know, of being the leader and passing it over to Saul. And that had to be hard for him. He still stayed as a spiritual leader, but he was no longer in the same role that he had before. And as he continued to seek God for his role, he didn't quit. He kept hanging in there and doing what God called him to. So as, as we here at this church move forward to a new season in our lives, whatever that is for you right now, we can feel sorry sometimes for things we think we've lost if we move forward from something old to something new. But it's not lost. It's just changing. There's a new thing God wants to do in us and through us. So I encourage all of you to do what is before you to do. Don't wait for something else out there. You might miss the blessing God has for you. Do please stand as we close. We have two choices to make today. We, we can hide from our call because, you know, sometimes we've said, sometimes that can be a little unnerving, a little scary. 
Or we can embrace all that God has for us, whatever that is. So as you think about what is it God's calling you to, what is it that God has been putting on your heart lately, just bow your heads. And I just want to ask you to think about embracing that call God has for you. And if you would say, yep, I want to embrace the call God has for me, just raise your hand. Thank you. One of the important things about following that call is being anointed with the Holy Spirit. And if you want God to anoint you with the Holy Spirit so you have the power to be able to fulfill that call on your life, just raise your hand. Thank you. I'm going to ask you to come up and be anointed with oil um, in a little bit here. We're going to cut the live feed first. And uh, I want to pray for everybody, anoint you with oil, and pray that God anoints you to be able to do what he's called you to in this next time in your life. Um, Lord God, we just thank you that you have given us your power, your strength, your might to be able to follow you. You didn't ask us to do it in our own strength. We thank you, Father, for the anointing of the Holy Spirit on us. Lord God, that you would just fill us up to overflowing. Saturate us, Lord, with the power of God to be able to do what we are tasked with doing. Lord God, I pray for your wisdom and understanding as we move forward, that you would give us a direction, that we wouldn't have to guess, is this the right way or is this a... Your word talks about a voice, hearing a voice from you saying... This is the way walk in it. And, and um, Father, we just pray for that for each of us, that we would clearly see the direction you are leading us to go. Lord, we thank you for um, your healing touch. We pray for healing and restoration. We pray for new jobs that are needed. We pray for, Lord, um, direction and wisdom. We pray, Father, for whatever the problems are, that we are facing, that we would see you in it and that you would lead us through that and bring us to the other side. We thank you, Father, for all that you have in your word, that we can know you and follow you. Thank you for the new things that you're calling us to. And Father, we just pray that that would continue, that we'd continue to hear from you, continue to see the direction to go in Jesus' name. Now to him who's able to do far more abundantly than all we ask, or think, according to the power at work within us, to bring him glory in the church and in Christ Jesus throughout all generations, forever and ever. Amen.